0: The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll have Jared Suffolk. He is from Binary Defense. We'll be talking about the dark web and security issues. A little bit later, we'll be hearing from Joe Kissel from Take Control Books. He is the author of many, many books on the Mac. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. So, Jared, welcome to the show. We're glad to hear from you. Can you tell us about the company you work with, Binary Defense?
1: Uh, Yeah, so Binary Defense is an information security firm. Uh, We offer threat intelligence services. uh, We offer standard MSSP monitoring services. And we also have our own proprietary endpoint monitoring solution as well.
0: Okay, so what kind of threats do you focus on?
1: Our intelligence team is a little bit different from most. We actually monitor all threats to organizations, so we're looking at cyber threats as well as insider threats from you know perhaps disgruntled employees. Uh, we even look at physical threats as well.
0: Now, disgruntled employees, we've heard about that in the U.S. government. So, is that someone stealing data if they're thrown uh, out of the company?
1: It can be. It can be someone who feels that they're you know about to get fired, so they decide to start stealing some data could be someone who you know is upset because they got passed up for a promotion or is upset at their manager and decides that they're going to take some sensitive data that could damage the company's reputation and start leaking it online anonymously
0: now something like that they can get in serious legal trouble though
1: oh yes yes however you know you, you get those people that sometimes get a little desperate and that it might be worth it to to get that final you know final screw you to whoever's making them mad matter
0: and i know i've worked for companies and you get tempted i guess just kind of tell them where to go and how to get there if they mistreat you. Yeah, exactly. But I can see and that certainly is not gonna help their reputation when they look for a new job.
1: No, no, it won't. But there are a number of ways that you can you can send out information anonymously. I mean, you've got, you know, groups like WikiLeaks who will, you know, take all sorts of uh, of compromising data for a number of different reasons and and post it online. There are plenty of different places, you know on both the ClearNet and the DarkNet, where you can go ahead and post information anonymously that the whole world can access then.
0: Well, we certainly have enough of that going on. But if they do something like that, are you able to find who the culprit is? Or is this something you have to really catch at the office first?
1: Well, certainly catching it at the office first is is definitely the ideal situation. Um, Anytime that you can get get ahead of uh, any sort of threat like that, that is definitely preferable. Uh, but, you know, there, there are certainly ways that you can go about finding it out after the fact as well and, tra- you know, backtracing it, uh, especially highly sensitive information. You know, if a company's uh, network is set up properly, they should be seeing who's accessing sensitive information when. And uh, that, that certainly narrows things down when you start doing your investigation into how that information got released and leaked.
0: Now, in a situation like this, is that something they can be arrested for or is it more of a civil crime?
1: It would depend on the information that is leaked, you know, certainly if they're leaking uh, any sort of, you know, HIPAA information, PII, things that could be used for stealing someone's someone's identity. That is certainly something they could end up being arrested for um, any sort of intellectual property. Um, but if it's something that would just maybe you know, damage a company's reputation, you know, slightly unethical business practices, things like that, um, internal emails that might not be too flattering to the company's reputation, that would be more of a civil matter.
0: OK, we hear lots of talk on TV, especially dark web, dark web. Yes. Can you give us some background on the meaning of the dark web as opposed to what the light web?
1: <laughs> uh, so we usually refer to it as the clear net and the dark net. Clear net is the stuff that you know, anybody can access. You get on Google, you get on Safari, um, Internet Explorer, whatever, whatever browser you choose. Uh, you're going to Google, you're going to Yahoo, you're going to Facebook. You know, that that's the clear net. Uh, the dark net has to be accessed through a special program called Tor. And that's where you're getting to web domains that can't be reached by normal browsers. And that's where you can find a, a fairly significant amount of criminal activity, as well as a fairly significant amount of 12-year-olds who want to pretend that they're criminals.
0: What about those 12-year-olds? <laughs>
1: Some of it is is just kids who want to try and convince other kids at their school they're hackers. Some of it is kids who think they're going to try and trick other people into sending them money. Um, Some of it are kids just trying to figure out what all they can find down on the dark net. And there's certainly a lot to be found down there.
0: I bet. What kind of information do you find there? Is it, say, the stuff from Equifax that Um, was hacked?
1: You can certainly find all sorts of personal information that's been hacked uh, a multitude of ways. Um, A lot of these major data breaches that you hear about, you know, Equifax, Adobe, LinkedIn, things like that. You can find that sort of information. Um, Other times, it's information that criminals have stolen from other sources. Um, Sometimes it's onesies, twosies here and there. You know, hey, I've got a couple of IDs that I can sell. There's a huge marketplace for illegal drugs, especially coming out of Russian vendors on the darknet. You can find weapons for sale. You can find whole new identities where they actually make the IDs for you hitman services, all sorts of different things. Um, and then, you know, there's also job boards, just like you would find with Indeed or LinkedIn or things like that. There are job boards on the dark net where people can go ahead and, you know, apply for and bid for different jobs where people, you know, want a certain company hacked or want someone's social media accounts hacked. They'll post these job postings out there and people will submit their, their resumes, so to speak, showing that they've got the abilities to get the job done and get hired out and carry out those jobs for them.
0: But I'm wondering here, if someone does that, Aren't they then vulnerable to the authorities finding out who they are, or are there ways that they could hide that information?
1: That information is is very well hidden. A lot of those payments are going through in cryptocurrencies. When you get onto the darknet, before you actually even access any of those web pages on the darknet, your information is being bounced through different nodes all over the entire planet before you actually reach that website. So while it's not impossible, to backtrack somebody's information through the darknet. It is extremely, extremely difficult.
0: So the people who do this are pretty skilled at playing around with computers and the internet. But wouldn't a police department or FBI or someone have their own group of former hackers, white hats, who go in there and try to figure out what's going on?
1: most police departments do not. Cyber crimes is one area that a lot of local law enforcement are, are extremely lacking. The FBI has a very large cyber division. But again, you know, anyone who's skilled, it's, it's very easy to figure out ways to hide your identity online. You know, most of these people will go through web proxies in another country before even trying to get on tor tour. So their, their identity is very well hidden behind layers and layers of fake information. And then on top of that, you know, it's, none of these people are getting on and using their regular Gmail accounts or, you know, their, their own actual names, making it even harder to track that information. And then even when you try and track payments through Bitcoin, it's extremely difficult because there are a number of services that will essentially anonymize those Bitcoin transactions by sending them through, you know, hundreds or even thousands of different accounts in varying denominations before they actually dump out the real amount in the account that they're going to pull out from.
0: Does that mean it's impossible?
1: Uh, it, it it definitely seems that way some days. Um, it's it's extremely difficult. It is extremely time-consuming. I'm not going to say it's impossible because there have been plenty of instances where information has been able to tr- be traced back successfully. Uh, but it is not a guarantee that it will always be that way.
0: Well, I would... <laughs> Certainly find this a pretty difficult world. But is there anything at all that's legal that goes on the dark web? Or is it strictly criminals or hacking kits and stuff like that?
1: Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of, you know, legal services as well. Um, you know, you've got different forums down there where people will get, will get on and just talk. Uh, social media sites, uh, just like you would have Facebook on the clear net. You know, there's, there's social media sites on the dark net where people can get on and just talk. Um, and, I mean, you see plenty of just very innocent conversations, people just talking back and forth like anyone else would. Uh, but they, they like that anonymity of being on the dark net. Um, yeah, so you, you get a mix of both. There's certainly a, a significant amount of criminal activity, but there is plenty of you know, legal activity that goes on down there as well.
0: We have Jared Suffercool, and he's with Binary Defense. And we'll have more with Jared in our next segment, focusing on the dark web.
2: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
3: Over the last four years, three of the biggest online precious metals dealers have gone bankrupt and their owners put in prison due to theft and fraud. Having previously purchased precious metals, can you be sure you purchased the right product? Did you receive proper advice? Or were you stung by one of these companies? Miles Franklin has been in business for 29 years without receiving any material customer or regulatory complaints ever maintaining an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and residing in Minnesota, the only state in America that regulates the precious metals industry, making doing business in precious metals with Miles Franklin the safest choice, bar none. Call us at 866-485-4346 and let us review your portfolio at no commitment whatsoever. Again, that's 866- 485-4346. Get the peace of mind you deserve in working with the Precious Metals Company with a reputation like Miles Franklin. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Precious Metals, the name you can trust.
5: Message and data
6: rates may apply.
7: You don't follow the herd. You blaze your own trail. And you're as adventurous in the kitchen as you are in life. Whether it's paddleboard yoga or Peruvian steak, you're the first to try new things. So are we. We're Green Chef, the first USDA-certified organic meal kit delivery service. We offer delicious meal plans for seven different lifestyles. Paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegetarian, vegan, carnivore, and omnivore. Want to be the first of your friends to try Green Chef? Discover our exclusive introductory deal by texting the keyword FUN66 to 543-543. We believe that cooking, just like life, should be all about experience and flavor. And by exploring dinner options with Green Chef, you'll try new recipes, techniques, and ingredients for bold, new, restaurant-level flavors. It's like enjoying a new cooking class, but in your own home. To experience this culinary adventure, text now and discover our exclusive introductory deal. Text FUN66 to 543-543. That's F-U-N-66 to 543-543.
8: Hawaii was a wake-up call. Don't be caught without a disaster shelter. Atlas makes an all-disaster shelter that will protect your family from fallout, tornadoes, and hurricanes for only $99.99. That also includes the NBC air filtration system, solid steel construction with an airtight bulletproof door. That's right, for $99.99 and up, call 1-855-4BUNKER or go to IWantThatShelter.com. Atlas Survival Shelters, the world leader in fallout shelters.
0: The dark web, I think of superhero shows (laughs) where they focus on that. Where Winshot on Supergirl, the computer nerd, is busy checking out for renegade aliens from other star systems on there. So if someone just wants to explore the dark web, do you recommend they do it? Or what kind of cautions should they observe? Because obviously not everybody's a skilled hacker.
1: No, and there are there are plenty of ways to get yourself in trouble on the dark net inadvertently. It's certainly not going to necessarily hurt anything to go uh go onto the dark net and look into things. You know there are plenty of tutorials all over YouTube and all over the internet of how to how to access the dark net. If it's something that someone decides they want to look into, I would certainly caution them not to do it on any any computer that has any sort of personal information on it make sure that you're not downloading anything off of the dark net because the chances of getting something that has malware in it are extremely high. Don't be sharing any real facts about yourself. Uh, doxing is a very, very popular thing right now where people will try and get as much personal information as possible and basically compromise, you know, compromise your, uh, your security just through learning things about you.
0: Do you have any suggestions? Is it, do you have to use the Tor browser or what?
1: Yes. Yes. That's the primary way to access the Darknet is through the Tor browser. And that's something that, you know, most people can just Google and uh, it'll take you right to Tor's homepage with download links. You know, click here if you're running Mac, click here if you're running Windows. It'll just download like any other browser.
0: So Tor anonymizes your connections. That's one thing it does. Correct. Can any browser that does that be used or must it be something like Tor?
1: It has to go through the Tor network because these websites are protected in such a way that they will not allow traffic to access them that has not come out of a Tor exit node.
0: Looking back at history, is there an individual who created the dark net or dark web?
1: Uh, Yes, it was actually created by the United States Navy as a secure way of transferring information.
0: The U.S. Navy? Yes. This is good intentions gone bad, I guess. But we're talking in the early days of the Internet, aren't we? Yes. Okay. So how did this get out into the wild?
1: It was, it was an open source project that, uh, you know, the government wound up abandoning and other people picked it up and helped keep it alive.
0: Now, one thing I want to ask you here, too. What is Silk Road?
1: Um, Silk Road actually was a very, very successful marketplace where uh, any number of things were sold. Um it was taken down by the FBI there have been a few other instances of it that have attempted to pop up but were extremely short lived um but it is by far one of the most famous darknet marketplaces um but it is it is definitely not the only darknet marketplace
0: now in terms of a marketplace is it like an online store like yep. Amazon for the darknet
1: it'd be exactly like going to Amazon or eBay just on the darknet
0: so what kind of stuff do they sell?
1: Uh, you can sell you know, compromised personal information for stealing someone's identity. You can buy drugs. Um, you can buy access to hacked accounts, um, whether it's on social media sites or whether it's on pornographic sites. Um, you can buy stolen, uh, stolen gift cards. You can buy access to stolen PayPal accounts. Um, there will be people who will sell credit card numbers on there. Um, you can buy illegal drugs. You can buy prescription drugs.
0: Now, prescription drugs are legal drugs.
1: Um, they're stolen prescription drugs.
0: OK, so if you can't afford these $2,000 a month medications, you might find depending it there on, for less money?
1: Depending on what the medication is, um, you're mostly going to find a lot of, you know, painkillers um mexican viagra things like that
0: we don't want to ask about mexican viagra i assume if you take (laughs) anything like that you're putting your life in your hands here because you never know what's going to happen yeah question here people visiting this shopping area we assume everything they're doing is being monitored by the authorities
1: Uh, Well, yes and no. These tour websites go up and down quite constantly. Um, So it can be very difficult if you're not down there at all times following these web pages around. It can become extremely difficult to actually keep access to those different websites. And there are also a number of them as well where they try and quasi-validate someone before they actually even give them access to those sites. So you can't just show up and sign up all of a sudden. Uh, There are a number of marketplaces where you actually have to be referred by someone who is a known shopper or a known seller on that website before you can even gain access.
0: So by referral, because you want to know that person's been vetted and may not be an undercover agent of some sort. Correct. Okay. We're exploring (laughs) the deep and dark net stuff you hear in fiction, and we're looking at the factual thing because the factual thing is really part of it. Now, I'm looking up here, and they have the name of Paul Cypherson, David Goldschlag, and Michael Reed, mathematicians at the Naval Research Laboratory, who began working on the concept of onion routing in 1995. Yes. So that's where it began. What is the hidden wiki?
1: Uh, so the hidden wiki is it's kind of a very easy way for beginners to the dark net to kind of get their feet wet. Um, there are a number of hidden wikis. You can actually access them on the clear net as well. Um, but basically it's kind of, it, it's kind of a one-stop shop that'll list out links for all sorts of different services. So if you decide that, you know what, I want to go on the dark net and I want to explore, you know, stolen bank accounts, you can go to the hidden wiki, look up websites that'll list out financial services, and they'll actually have links to those websites. Um, same thing if you, know, you want to find uh, weapons or an assassin or hackers for hire, things like that. You'll actually be able to find links to those things on the hidden wiki. It ends up becoming very hit and miss because, like I said earlier, a lot of those websites go up and down. They move around constantly uh, just so that they can avoid detection by the authorities as easily and the thing
0: i wonder about also jared is if you just want to steal people's money can you just offer services and say okay give me ten thousand dollars in advance and then you disappear how do you know
1: that is extremely common uh there are a number of scams on the dark net specifically you know things like that to try and steal money from people who don't necessarily know what they're doing down there um one of the popular ones that was going on for the longest time, and it's it's died out a little bit now, is uh, there are a number of services that offer to double your Bitcoin or triple your Bitcoin. So okay,
0: let's talk about that in our next segment, doubling your Bitcoin. Of course, the way the prices are so <laughs> rotating all over the place. Hmm. Anyway, this is going to be an interesting remaining of the show here, because we're exploring things that are... Weird. Jared Suffolk, Binary Defense, talking about the dark web on the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
12: It's been said Extendivite is more than just a heart tonic. Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two month supply. To get started, call 1 877 928 8822. That's 1 877
13: 928 8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite.
14: With Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: And we've had security-related shows before. But the dark net is something we've kind of sort of just kind of mentioned in passing. But now we're focusing on a deep, dark and dirty Jared Suffolk is here to show us the way. So the problem here, of course, is if you're going to do business with anybody, even if it seems to be like legal stuff, what do you do if you get cheated?
1: Uh, if you get cheated, there's really not a whole lot you can do. Again, you know. Things, things disappear very quickly on the dark net if you get cheated you you're just kind of out that money
0: so is there a way for them to rate merchants to say okay this person is legal
1: there are a number of forums where people will actually trade information back and forth um, especially talking about different vendors on the dark net so you know, if they get scammed from someone on a website you know they're trying to buy you know 20 pounds of marijuana and the person, you know, takes their money and never actually sends them their drugs. um, They can go on these different forums and, Hey, you know, I hit up this marketplace at this domain and I tried to buy this and they never actually gave it to me. Or, you know, they told me they were selling me this, but when they sent it to me, it was actually that things like that. So there, there are places where these people will kind of police themselves and talk back and forth about who's scamming, who, who's actually legitimate.
0: Now, when you're talking about dark net, is this also related to black market stuff? Yes. Okay, because I'm looking here at some of the things you can do in the black market, like human body parts. Somebody needs a kidney. Yes. Do you go on the dark net and look for a kidney?
1: Um, you don't find that offered up nearly as much anymore as you used to. Uh, but yes, there are certainly places where people will go. You know, at least claim that they can get you human body parts. Um, however, everyone that I've ever seen, you know, has been been put out as being a scam. Uh, so I don't know that there are any le- any you know, legitimate services that are actually offering human body parts. But there are certainly a number of places that claim they will get you human body parts.
0: I'm just looking at the category here. Some of the most coveted items in the black market. Exotic pets. And animals? Yes. What kind of um, animals?
1: Any number of endangered species, you know, are obviously sold on the black market all around the world at all times. Um, that's, that's certainly, you know, a problem for, for uh, law enforcement all over the world. And you can organize the sale and purchase of those on a number of different websites.
0: Of course, there's human trafficking. Yes. And that gets to be really, really upsetting. Yeah. That's yes. what you see on shows like Law and Order, SVU. They get into that sometimes, more from a personal angle than the computer hacker trying to find it. But it's anything that can be bad. What is the strangest thing you've ever encountered on the dark web?
1: Um, hmm. there's whew, that's that's a tough question. There's there's certainly a number of things that have uh, have definitely given me some anger headaches over the years. Uh, going through the dark net um i did see one where a woman was actually offering to sell her husband's kidneys um as soon as someone hit her up she would go ahead and knock him out and take his kidneys out while he slept that one got a a few uh interesting reactions around the office probably one of the most surprising things i ever encountered was uh we were going through and we'd actually encountered a uh an image page that was a free sharing page for pedophiles to share child pornography. And we actually wound up discovering hidden way, way down in the website that, uh, there were actually, um, ISIS fighters in Syria who were sharing photos and battle plans, um, through this image board. And I I think the basic idea was they hoped that by sharing it on a page like that, it would be less likely to be found because a number of people, you know, come across those child pornography sites and instantly leave because they're disgusted by it. And uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of pedophiles who are calling up the FBI going, hey, I was trying to look at this, you know, naked 12 year old boy and I wound up finding, you know, these terrorist plans online because that's just not going to work out too well for them. So I think the idea was they were hoping that by hiding it on a website like that, it would be less likely to be discovered, or at least reported.
0: Right. Now, what's your background? Were you a hacker at one time?
1: Uh, No, no. I actually uh, served in the U.S. Navy for five years.
0: All right. And what did you do there?
1: Uh, I worked in intelligence.
0: So you're a former Navy intelligence operative?
1: Uh, Intelligence specialist.
0: What's the definition? What is the job?
1: Um, I would analyze all-source intelligence uh, and help fuse it into a fuller picture of what was happening in different regions of the world. Um, So we would look at everything from human intelligence to signals intelligence to imagery analysis, and we would fuse all that different information together to create a full picture.
0: And did that take you to the dark web?
1: Uh, No, that actually never took me to the dark web.
0: Uh, so how were you first exposed to it?
1: Um, through a, uh, through a mutual contact who was working at binary defense at the time. He knew my background and felt that, uh, with my background, I would be a uh, useful addition to the, uh, the intelligence team here at binary defense.
0: As an intelligence team lead, you basically tell the other people what to do, or do you do some hands-on?
1: Uh, No, I actually do a a significant amount of hands-on work myself, Um, but I certainly also, you know, do quite a bit coordinating with other team leads on the uh, in the department, working in various areas to uh, help coordinate efforts on uh, on different things.
0: Now, we think of this, of course, as something that's very serious, sometimes frightening, very dangerous. Any situations you run into that maybe you just kind of so crazy they're just funny?
1: Um, yes. Yes, there have certainly been a few that have, uh, have made us laugh. Uh, the example I gave of the woman who was hoping to sell her husband's kidneys. Uh, uh,
0: I don't know if that's funny or not, but we'll go with that.
1: It, 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 was, it was one of those situations that was just so absurd that we couldn't really do a whole lot about it except laugh. Just because it was such an absurd offer that there, there wasn't a whole lot you could do.
0: Well, obviously, send her to the authorities.
1: Um, Unfortunately, doing that was going to be rather difficult. We passed on the information that we had, but the way that she had posted things uh, kept things quite anonymous, and the email accounts that she was using were untraceable um, because there are a number of email services on the darknet that you can use as well that are untraceable. Um, So we obviously passed along pertinent information on that one, but there wasn't, wasn't a whole lot that we could do for for tracking her down. Um, And same with the, uh, with the FBI, that was something they just had to kind of monitor the situation there. Um, But again, you know, the, the communications communication methods she was using were uh, extremely well encrypted.
0: Without disclosing company secrets, you're trying to find someone on there or some activity. How do you go about figuring out what's really going on?
1: Um, we, uh, we've got quite an extensive team here with a, uh, a varied background. Um, so typically if there's something that we do need to backtrace, um, we, we certainly have people on the team who can put in a, a very strong effort into doing that through, uh, through certain means. Um, there are a lot of times though we work very closely with the FBI. There are a lot of times where we'll hit a, uh, we'll hit a point on something where there's not much more that we can do. Uh, legally that the federal government is able to do legally. So we'll work closely with them and pass that information off.
0: So in situations like this, you are working with the authorities?
1: Yes, yes. We work with them quite regularly.
0: So rather than maybe having their own staff people or they enhance the staff and they bring in people like you to help flesh things out, we're going to have more on Darknet. We're talking to Jared Safakul, the intelligence team lead for binary defense. And you're listening to the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
4: One out of four people listening to my voice right now could die from heart disease. This could be your last year and you don't even know it because you don't know the early warning signs. If you think you're safe because your cholesterol levels are normal, think again. Because studies show that 75% of heart attack patients also had normal cholesterol levels. Let me introduce you to Strauss Heart Drops, a world famous heart and brain formula made in Canada. It's time tested and will give you clinical results in 90 days or your money back. Learn more at signsofheartdisease.com. They are shipping free this month
17: Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
18: This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Or my website, danpilla.com.
14: Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg.
0: The Darknet. I'm making that sound mysterious, but it's not necessarily a friendly, happy, wonderful place to go. Just point that out. I should remind you of one place that is friendly to go, and that is plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. It's where you can subscribe to the Tech NightOwl plus Plus. And we offer a version of this show free of the network ads. So we satisfy the people who complain on iTunes about too many ads and we'll give you better quality audio. Check it out, plus.technightowl.com. In the liner notes, one of the people sent, they they suggested you explain something spelled C-A-A-S. Is that CAS? All right, you don't know what that was. All right.
1: Yeah, that, that's one that I'm
0: not... Uh... Not a problem, not a problem, not a problem. Okay, so one of the things offered, of course, is a hacking kit. Now, for what purpose? Is this like creating your own malware network or something?
1: Um, so an, um, typically referred to as an exploit kit. Uh, it's usually sort of a, I guess, easiest way to describe it would be, it's like a, a hacker's toolbox. So it'll be a number of different scripts that'll all work together to accomplish something. Um, typically to exploit a vulnerability on a specific, specific system or network. Um, and that's a, that's a very commonplace item to find on a lot of these different marketplaces is people will sell exploit kits to, you know, access different, uh, different pieces of software. Um, the difficult thing with exploit kits in terms of people who are buying them is uh, typically as soon as they're found in the wild, researchers will start taking and dissecting those exploit kits and try and create signatures off of them, so to speak, so that uh, different detection software can pick up on those exploits as quickly as possible Um, and we actually have our own in-house researcher uh, who just does that as a full-time job we'll send off you know different exploit kits that we we end up finding in the wild we send them off to him he reverses them and then uh, he'll actually upload those into the monitoring software that we use for all of our clients then as well so that we can detect those those attempts as quickly as possible
0: so a hacking kit has a short lifespan
1: Yes, yes, it can have a short lifespan. Um, some of it also depends, though, on what it's, what it's trying to exploit. Um, there are certainly certain companies that are better about closing off those, those vulnerabilities than others. Because obviously not everyone has you know, full monitoring at home, but uh, as soon as these companies find out that their software has a vulnerability in it that's being exploited, they immediately start getting their teams to work on closing that vulnerability.
0: Now, this, of course, is very much a business-to-business thing, but what does the individual do to avoid this kind of stuff? Just follow the normal processes, Mac and PCs, to protect yourself against malware?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, keeping, keeping your, uh, all your software up to date is essential. There are a number of people that get hit with different older pieces of malware simply because they don't keep their system up to date, uh, you know, turning on automatic updates is certainly a, uh, a crucial, crucial thing to do with your system to make sure that you're getting the latest security patches at all times. Um, ensuring that, you know, you're not opening emails from people that you don't know or emails that you aren't expecting. Uh, making sure you're not downloading things from emails that you aren't expecting to get. Uh, I can't tell you how many times, you know, not only with, you know, private citizens, but also with people working at major corporations where they'll get hit with something simply because they get this email going, oh, hey, you know, you won such and such from this drawing. Click this link to collect. And they'll click the link, and next thing you know, they're infected.
0: John Podesta, of course, heading up Hillary Clinton's campaign.
1: He suffered
0: from one of these, which is why his emails became part of the WikiLeaks documentation. Yes. And was that it? Just maybe clicking on a bogus link in an email?
1: Um, I don't know the exact details, but yeah, I mean, it, it could have been clicking a bogus link. It could have been you know, downloading, a, uh, downloading a file from an email that he shouldn't have. But that, it's, it's those, those simple mistakes from carelessness and, and lack of uh, security mindedness that can cause issues like that.
0: Just a silly, simple thing. And you can cause no end of grief. Correct. Yeah, well, we can certainly understand that. Let's move into our final couple of segments here. And I want to ask you about something which comes out this time of year. Tax fraud. Yes. Now, in a situation like this, what's the mechanism? How do they do their thing? How does someone get caught up in this?
1: Um, so there, there are two primary ways that this is happening. One, your identity's already been compromised in some way, whether it's you being careless with your personal information, or whether it's you know you allowing personal information too much personal information to be released publicly, um, or whether you've given that personal information to you know some other organization that gets gets breached. Um, the other way, which we've seen pop up quite a bit over the last couple of years is hackers targeting larger corporations. And what they'll do is they will spoof an email coming from the CFO or the CEO or someone like that. And they'll send it off to employees in the payroll department or employees in human resources or things like that. And they'll say, hey, you know, we've got such and such going on, and I need you to send me a spreadsheet of all the employees' tax information. And you'll get these employees who just, oh, yep, the CEO asked for this, and they'll send it off and not realize that it was actually a hacker who sent them that email and not the CEO. So when they reply to that email, it ends up getting routed back to that hacker. And now you know, they've compromised either you know a significant portion of their organization or you know, all of their organization. Uh, and they, they've they essentially opened those people up to being hit with having their identity stolen and having fraudulent tax returns placed in their name.
0: What about situations that affect individuals?
1: Uh, well, that, that will end up affecting the individual because each one of those employees then has their, their personal information taken and has their uh, their tax return filed against them. Um, and that's an and interesting
0: like, point to ask, though, before we go on. Okay, so that means a third party has taken your information and filed your tax return. So yes. what do they get out of it? A tax refund?
1: Yes. Um, there, there have been plenty of instances where they end up actually putting in and applying for that tax refund.
0: So what happens then if someone files a legal tax return for an individual who has previously been hacked and someone else has filed their tax return? That's got to be a strange situation.
1: Yes. And uh, that, that obviously starts raising red flags you know, with the IRS um, who will immediately flag the return. Um, obviously there are a number of cases where they haven't made any sort of payout on the return yet. By the time that gets caught, there are also times where payouts will be made on the return before that, that ends up getting caught. And typically by that point, the criminals have already moved that money around, uh, to where it is, is much more difficult to, to get back. Um, but that's also where, you know, certain states have started doing extra verification of people's identities, uh, before they'll actually finalize the return, um, I can tell you Ohio has started doing that where they will randomly start picking people and ask for extra steps to verify their identity before they'll actually finalize their tax return.
6: Right,
0: but if you're just going online and using one of those programs, and we hope they're legitimate programs, but say Intuit, for example, some a company that's legitimate, is it possible here that company might be hacked along the line or that site's being spoofed
1: yes that is certainly possible um and again that that's where you know not clicking not clicking on links that you haven't asked for comes into play because you'll get people who will send out fake emails um claiming to be you know your tax service whether it's you know tax layer or whoever uh and, you know, hey, you know, don't forget to file your return and have a link on there. And it looks like it's a legitimate link. You click on it. It looks like you've gone to a legitimate site. But in all reality, you're actually giving your information up to cyber criminals. Um, so, again, you know, that that goes to you know, making sure you're not just clicking on links. You're actually navigating to the pages yourself.
0: Now, about the IRS here, if a taxpayer is victimized, Do they wash their hands of the situation, or is there anything in the world they can do to help you recover the money from your tax refund, to get your tax records in order? And I'm going to ask you to respond in our next segment so we can kind of leave our listeners hanging or not. Jared Suffolk, he's Intelligence Team Lead for Binary Defense, and we're talking here about whether someone might steal your. Tax return. This is the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
2: Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget.
14: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's
9: going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: So, Jared, where do we stand there if your tax return has been hacked by somebody else and you find out about it and your money, whether it's a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, has been taken by the criminal? What does the IRS do or is it your fault?
1: That obviously the IRS will flag that return and try and put a stop to it as quickly as possible. Uh, If that money is already gone I, I do not know exactly what their remediation steps are in that, that event. Um, they will obviously flag that original turn at, return as fraudulent and start their own investigation. Uh, but in terms of how they go about recovering the money or paying out your return, I unfortunately do not have that information for you.
0: Well, certainly you better be careful. Is it better than, rather than file a tax return online, just to go to your local H&R block or one of these other companies or a tax accountant, and let them do it for you. Because then they have the responsibility, if they're preparing your tax return and something happens as part of their process, they have to make good.
1: Yes, but the uh, the problem that you run into there is if it's not actually the tax preparer's fault. Again, if your identity was stolen in some other way and they file that return themselves you know, through some other means, then you no longer have that H&R block or someone like that who's on the line for it.
0: So they'll just give you the tax return, usually, and it's up to you to mail it in.
1: I'm uh, sorry. I don't think I understood that question.
0: Now, normally, though, wouldn't they just hand you a printed form? This is your tax return. Here's the envelope. Mail it.
1: Um, a lot of those services will actually go ahead and take care of that for you. They, they will go ahead and uh, do, do the full preparation and get it sent off to the IRS for you.
0: Well, then they're responsible.
1: Yes, but they're they're no longer re- they're not responsible if someone else has already filed a fraudulent return on their own if they haven't used that service. So, you know, if you turn in your return and the IRS comes back and says, "Hey, uh, there was already a return filed for you," the organization that helped you prepare yours isn't responsible because they didn't prepare the fraudulent return.
0: It's only if their filing is intercepted. Yes. Now, other than foul links other than stealing your identity. Any other techniques that tax fraudsters might employ?
1: Uh, Those are are the only two that we've been seeing.
0: Okay, so if you get a phone call from someone claiming to be the IRS, you just have to beware.
1: Yes. The IRS is going to send you a notification through the mail before they do anything else.
0: And remember, too, that... That's part of the normal kind of fraud you get with these telemarketing calls. Sometimes you get calls saying, I'm from Microsoft, or they'll say this is Windows support, and your computer is about to lose its connection if we don't fix things. That's a pretty common one. You've heard of those.
1: Oh, we we actually love when we get those phone calls because we'll sit there and just try and mess with the person for as long as possible. It's it's a fun way for us to... uh To blow off some steam in the office by messing with those fake phone callers.
0: You know, I'll give you a couple of examples if you give me some of yours. Now, obviously, you're using a Mac right now to make this connection. So I'll get a call just like that. And I'll say, only fools use Windows. And immediately they'll hang up. Or they'll say, what did you say? And then another one, they'll call me and say, your Windows computer. We're calling about your Windows computer. And I'll say, which one? And I'll say the one you normally use, and I say which one is that? I use several. <laughs> That's my mind messing. What do you do?
1: Uh, we like to play stupid with them, so you know we we usually won't even give up any information to them. You know, the second they they call us and oh, you know, we recognize the problem with your your Windows computer, we need to help you fix it. Oh, okay. Well, well, what do I need to do? And you know, we'll we'll usually just play stupid. So the second they tell us, oh, well, you need to click on the start button. Well, where's that one at? I don't see it on my keyboard. And we just try and string them along for as long as we can, just, uh, just being stupid to see how much they'll actually put up with before they hang up on us.
0: What will happened with me sometimes is, you know, they call with a spoofed caller ID and they'll call back five minutes later with a different caller ID and cuss me out.
1: Sadly, we have not had that one yet. That would, uh, that would certainly be amusing.
0: That would make your day, wouldn't it? That'd be exciting wouldn't it? Back to something we mentioned earlier, other than the woman who was looking for the kidneys. Any other particularly funny episodes?
1: Um, not, not really. Uh, a lot of them just end up being you know kind of kind of sad and disappointing. Um, we, we We get what we call uh, anger headaches quite a bit in the office from some of the things that we see.
0: What are some of the more tragic episodes you've run into?
1: Um, child pornography is by far one of the uh, one of the most upsetting ones to, to all of us in the office here. Any any sort of child exploitation is something that we all take very seriously, and uh, it, it tends to put us in a uh, a rough mood for the rest of the day. Uh, but it's unfortunately it's something that we're we realize we're going to encounter quite a bit in our day to day job. We'll also encounter things like red rooms, which uh, can also be a bit uh, troubling and upsetting to see. Uh, it, it definitely doesn't make anyone's day too good to encounter things like that.
0: What kind of rooms?
1: Uh, they're called Red Rooms. Um, so what it is, is it's typically a, uh, a temporary website that is set up with a video feed where someone will you know, be showing a video feed of a person getting tortured or a person getting uh, murdered, typically in a very slow and uh, brutal fashion.
0: There is a term they use for that, isn't there? I'm trying to think what it is. But they're like murder films, and I'm trying to think. Uh,
1: Snuff films. What is it called? Uh, Snuff film.
0: Snuff films, right. Oh, boy. Strange world out there. Is there anyone who's done an estimate as to how many people around the world are visiting or regularly using dark web?
1: Uh, that I do not know, uh, but I can tell you from what we see in terms of traffic in different uh, different chat rooms and uh, different forums and on marketplaces, it's it is certainly not a uh, a small community of users. There are, there are thousands of people around the world. It's it is a very extensive place.
0: Now I see a story here from a website, CNBC. And it goes back to May of 2016. And let me give you the headline, okay? Hitmen, drugs and malicious teens, the dark net is going mainstream. And it says 2 million people use Tor every day. But let me ask you something here. Hitmen, this is something that you see in the movies. Have you ever run across something like that?
1: Uh, yes, we've actually come across a number of Hitman services on the dark net's. Uh, some of them you know are legitimate, some of them you know some of them are very recognizable as scams, uh people just trying to scam someone out of money uh but there are a number of so to speak professional hitman services available
0: so someone really wants to off somebody, they go on the dark net and they hire somebody
1: yes
12: oh
0: boy. uh
1: they can they can go on and you know, a lot of them will say, you know okay know, uh, if you want me to just kill one person, I will charge this much up front, this much afterwards. Um, if you want me to, you know, kill them and let you watch, it's going to be this much more. Um, and it's it's almost like ordering things off a menu.
0: Now, when CNBC said Darknet is going mainstream, is that because it's become so popular?
1: Yes. Um, you know, certainly as you see more things in, you know, tv and film uh you know highlighting the dark net you get more and more people that become curious about it and start making their way onto the dark net and uh making use of the different services that they find
0: hmm imagine the dark net becoming warm and fuzzy to people right (laughs) that must be frightening jared suffocool will be around for a few more minutes from binary defense we're paying a visit well, shall we say in the abstract, to Darknet. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live.
2: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
3: Bitcoin is losing crypto market share to other digital currencies. Bitcoin's astronomical rise has led to the creation of numerous competitors like Ethereum, Ripple, and Litecoin, which have also seen massive gains in value. According to Quartz, Bitcoin made up 85% of the crypto market one year ago, and today it has fallen to 36%. Remember, the only way to win in the casino is to take chips off the table. Call Miles Franklin at 866-485-4346 and let us show you how to quickly turn your Bitcoin into the 5,000-year-old safety of precious metals. Miles Franklin can quickly convert your Bitcoin to precious metals with one phone call at 866-485-4346. That's Miles Franklin celebrating our 29th year in business without ever receiving a customer complaint. Call us at 866-485-4346 fast. Easy, safe, and convert your Bitcoin into gold with one
20: phone call.
9: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at com. That's news at com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at com slash radio. That's com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
0: Okay, Jared. Final segment of the show, and I wanted to just cover a few of the edge cases here. What the heck, or who the heck, are malicious teens?
1: Um, I'm not sure exactly what they meant when they said malicious teens. Um, like I said, the darknet is definitely visited quite extensively by a lot of teenagers. You get some of them who are just down there bad mouthing people. You get some who you know will go on and decide that they're upset at you know their ex girlfriend, their ex boyfriend. So hey, here's all their personal information, you know, anyone who wants to do something with it, go ahead and do it. We actually will see that quite a bit, especially uh, from young teenage men who are upset at their girlfriend. Hey, you know, here's a bunch of nude pictures of her, or, you know, hey, here's all her personal information, you know, call her up, threaten her, do whatever you want with it.
0: Do you have situations here where teens are trying to hack their school systems, their computers, so they can do something about the bad marks they got
1: uh yes actually that is something that we will see quite regularly on a lot of these job boards where you'll get some kid going hey anyone who can do it can you hack into this school system and help me change some grades
0: and is that ever done
1: uh, i am sure that it uh it has happened more than a few times
0: they identify alpha Bay as effectively the amazon the darknet. How how's that go
1: it was for quite a while. Um, Alpha Bay is one that has gone down in recent months again, like I said, like I've said you know a few times a lot of these services will will go up and down, especially as they get caught by uh, law enforcement around the world and as the owners of those websites get picked up by law enforcement around the world. Alpha Bay has certainly it, it filled the void for quite a while of Silk Road after Silk Road went down um, Alpha Bay. Is essentially no more. There have been a number of pop-ups trying to recreate Alpha Bay uh, unsuccessfully. Certainly, one of the largest ones that we see now is actually called Valhalla Market. That's kind of the the big go-to now on marketplaces on the darknet.
0: And that'll be gone in a week.
1: Um, it could be gone in a week. It could be up for the next six months. You never really know for sure just how long things will last.
0: Now the darknet. Is that also a way that a company can do legitimate things like keeping information secret, or is it make them more exposed?
1: That would not necessarily be a good way to go about it for a number of reasons. There really aren't any good storage solutions on the darknet. There are plenty of places that will say, hey, yeah, you can go ahead and you know, upload information here and we'll keep it secure for you. You never know just how secure they're actually going to keep it. The other thing is the darknet is an extremely slow, slow place. Uh, Because your traffic is being bounced all over the world to get to all these various sites, it ends up slowing things down quite a bit. So, I mean, a a lot of it, you know, also comes down to speed as well as security.
0: So remember, I've used it. The Tor browser is not fast by any means. Suddenly, if you have the 300 megabit connection, it's going to be like almost dial up sometimes.
1: Yes, there there have been plenty of times where their websites that we know for a fact are active and are still live, and the connection will still time out because the network just runs so slow some days.
0: But is that something that might be changed over time? Find ways to speed it up?
1: Uh, certainly you know as as more and more people decide to uh, offer up their systems as you know tour entry and exit nodes, you know that that'll certainly speed things up. Uh, however, you know, infrastructure for the dark net is not necessarily something that investors are going to want to dump a lot of money into.
0: All right. So the network consists of private people sharing their computer systems? Yes. Okay. I guess we haven't covered that before. So this is not a big fast web server in a data center. It's individuals. It's like Torrent, where each individual accessing the service can also become part of the network
1: uh yes but there are there are servers that are actually set up a number of these different services on the darknet do actually have their own server farm set up where things are being hosted
0: uh-huh so someone could just rent a few servers stick them in a the cabinet and go for it yes is there a profile out there this would be one of the final questions of a typical darknet visitor young people what
1: uh, you're getting a pretty broad cross-section of society when you go on to the dark net. Um, you get plenty of people that are you know, le- you know, nice law-abiding citizens who decide to go down there out of curiosity and you know, decide that they're finding you know, some, some interesting conversation meeting new people who decide to, to keep on talking to people on different social media sites and forums. Um, you've got a lot of teenagers who get on there you know, because they think it's cool. You get a lot of teenagers who get on there because, you know, they're trying to get into hacking themselves. So they like getting on there to talk to different people. You really, you can't, you can't say there's a a one size fits all profile for who's going to get onto the dark net. It could be just about anybody.
0: Anyone who wants to be under the radar then? Yes. Very, very, very strange place. Oh, well. So in our final section here, tell our listeners again, about binary defense. Are you strictly business to business?
1: Uh, we are primarily business to business. We do have a couple of high-profile families who will actually uh, purchase our services, uh, especially from the uh, the threat monitoring service, where we will actually go ahead and provide them profiles of their cyber footprint and show them where they need to make themselves more secure. Um, and we'll do active monitoring as well for some of those higher-profile families. Of You know, okay, hey, listen, you know, your wife, your, do- your, your son, your daughter are putting out too much personal information publicly. They're putting themselves at risk. You need to get them to stop doing this. You need to get them to start doing that. Uh, so while we are primarily business to business, we do have uh, high profile individuals as well.
0: So if somebody has a fortune of a few hundred million dollars. Yes. They come to you.
1: Uh, they certainly can.
0: Uh-huh. What about small business, or is there a level of business before it becomes feasible?
1: uh no we work with large corporations we work with you know we work with multinational organizations and we work with small you know regional companies as well um, we We really have a uh, a broad spectrum of uh, of different clientele
0: so if somebody wants to get more information and they're running a business that you know, isn't just a mon pas shop with two people, but certainly big enough to require constant monitoring and protection. What do they do?
1: Uh, they can reach out to uh, our, uh, our company through our website at uh, binarydefense.com. And uh, our salespeople can certainly uh, certainly get things, things moving on uh, talking about what the best solution would be and, uh, you know, try and, try and help them out as much as they can.
0: One final question. If the dark net becomes too popular. will there be an ultra dark net in the future?
1: <laughs> uh, there are plenty of rumors going around that one already exists um, and there are plenty of people gullible enough to believe it. Um, I mean it's it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. There have been other networks that have you know tried to mimic uh, the dark net and uh, create their their own networks um, unsuccessfully so far. But uh, there have certainly been a number of attempts, so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: Jared Sefakul, thank you for joining us in the Tech Night Out Live.
1: Thank you.
10: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
20: GCN virtual care anywhere.
11: Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you wanna be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653, 877-886-3653, GoBerkey.com. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change?
14: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
0: We have Joe Kissel, the chief cook and bottle washer of Take Control Books. You like to be referred to that
16: way? Uh, Um, I've heard worse. Oh, (laughs) yeah, well, it's it's fine. It'll, It'll do. All right.
0: We'll let that go. In any case, let us continue and persist here. I know you've got a lot of interesting new books lately, but have you ever thought here? And this may be a suggestion for a title. We just did an episode with another guest about the dark net. Uh huh. Have you ever thought about doing a book on that?
16: No, that would not be a take control topic because you can't um, take control of the dark net. Well, no, um, it's more like I I know our audience and just quite frankly, if we don't think that we're going to be able to sell a couple thousand books at minimum to the people who already buy books from us. We're not going to do a book on that topic. So I have considerable experience with what our customers do and do not like books about, and um, my research leads me to believe that we would sell an insufficient number of books on the dark net to our customers because our customers really kind of don't travel very much in in that world, and um, they they might think, well, it's interesting just to read about out of curiosity, but. In terms of like a how-to thing, because that's what we do. We do how-to books. Don't think we'd sell enough of them.
0: And look at it this way. It may not even sell as many as your How to Cook Thanksgiving dinner book.
16: It might not. Might not. But we have sometimes been wrong about what people, uh, you know, how many people will or will not buy a certain topic. But there, there are certain things that we're just not quite willing to take the risk on. And I think that would be one of them. Yeah, well, we'll go with that. But you got a lot a lot of books out there. We sure do. Yeah. We have a lot and more coming all the time. Every hour there's a new book. Well, not quite, but we we might we could possibly have uh five or six uh new or updated books in February. It depends a little bit on when various authors deliver various manuscripts. Some authors have been kind of falling behind, so we'll see how that goes. But conceivably, we could have as many as five or six books in February, which is a lot.
0: Okay. Yeah, that sounds quite quite a few. What would you like to start with here? And I'll drop one in you here because there's a published report here that in light of all the bugs in Apple's recent operating systems, they're going to back off a little bit with iOS 12 and basically have fewer features move some features to a future release, and at the same time, spend more time baking the ones they're including. You think Apple should have done that a while back?
16: Well, I am always in favor of fixing bugs. And I have been one of those people complaining about really poor quality control in recent uh, operating systems. So if that report is true, I think that's just fine. I think it's a perfectly good idea for Apple to work more on stability, performance, security, you know, usability, bugs than on new features. That's that's totally fine with me. However, I will say that, comparatively speaking, I am much less happy with the quality of macOS than the quality of iOS. So I would be more pleased if Apple did such a thing on the Mac side than on the iOS side, because I've just been, been really frustrated and really struggling with a lot of things on the Mac lately, and I think that is even more deserving of attention. So anyway, to the extent that it's true, I'm, I'm in favor of it. And I, I hope that it is true. Well, we have these
0: very stupid books on High Sierra, like being able to access your root privileges without a password. Yeah. Oh, no, you should never do that. <laughs> they sure as heck made it possible.
16: So you have that that there is obviously this this well-publicized bug that Apple, you know, to their credit, they did fix rapidly, although to their discredit, they, you know, uh, kind of messed up the initial fix. But where, you know, you could just type in the word basically not type in any password at all, uh, just type in root and and log in as the root user, which is which is terrible. And even if you like it, it was a bug, it wasn't supposed to happen. But if you think, oh, this is cool, I can now do a thing that was previously more difficult, um, and now it's a convenience feature, then then you're thinking about security all wrong, because the fact that you can do that more easily also means the bad guys can do that more easily. So it's, um, it's, it's really unfortunate that that happened. And there are certainly, I don't know about books, but certainly websites out there that will encourage you to turn off the various security features on your Mac to make it more convenient and easier to use and don't have to enter your password so often and all that kind of stuff. Uh, You can find that stuff, but man, don't do it. Don't because you're going to have problems and I'm going to have very little sympathy for you because you're opening yourself up to all kinds of bad stuff. You're gonna be responsible for that. It's like, well, for example, jailbreaking your iPhone. Yes. That's kind of not even a thing anymore. I mean, it's much, much, much harder to do than it used to be, and there's also far less benefit than there used to be. Um, and i and I'm glad about that. I'm glad that most of the reasons that people used to jailbreak their iOS devices for um Apple has now made the changes in in iOS so that that doesn't feel as necessary because. You know, jailbreaking an iPhone means you are bypassing security features. And, you know, again, if you have done that, the bad guys can do that, too. And once you open that door, you're opening it not just for yourself, but to, to malware and all kinds of other stuff. So um, I, I have had the experience of jailbreaking iOS devices. I haven't done it in a long time. I haven't had a need to, but it, it's, it's, it's dangerous stuff. There will never
0: be a book called Take Control of Jailbreaking Your iPhone.
16: Definitely not. Um, and you know, there there are a lot of there are a lot of topics that I can say, well, you know, some people think this is just like an, an ethically bad thing to do. And and that's true. And we we do look at, you know, considerations like that. But um even even if I thought that there weren't any ethical considerations, um, even if I thought it was a safe thing to do, um, and even if I thought it was a useful thing to do we would still go back to the, I'm not going to sell enough, enough copies of those books to, to pay for itself. So it just wouldn't happen.
20: Let's
0: look at this here. Mac OS High Sierra being the successor to Sierra was supposed to be the bug fix version with very few visible new features. This was yeah. supposed to be the one where they fix things. And obviously the best laid plans didn't come to pass.
16: Yeah, well, it, it it was supposed to be, but as you say, it really wasn't. I mean, I have uh, I, I'm I'm not using my my regular computer now. I'm sort of using my backup computer because uh, the one that I normally use is having all kinds of problems. And that's a brand new computer, by the way. And of course, it's running High Sierra, and I don't know that the problems that i'm experiencing are because of bugs in high sierra they might be they might not be i i wasted after you know wasting many hours trying to solve problems i'm like screw it, I'm going to erase that, erase the disk and restore from a backup. So it's like halfway through its restore right now. And we'll see if that fixes the problem. And if not, I will take more steps. But the, the problem with High Sierra is, is not just that there are bugs, which there are. Um, and it's not just that some of the new stuff like APFS aren't really fully baked. And that's also uh, the case. But it's that There are so many problems with apps. I mean, people write to me saying, this, that, and the other thing is going wrong in Apple Mail. Joe, what have I done wrong? I'm like, you haven't done anything wrong. It's Apple. It's not you. It's Apple. Apple has released some really buggy software. There are problems in Mail. There are problems in Contacts and Calendars. There are problems in a lot of these built-in apps that it's not that you haven't done the right kind of troubleshooting. It's that Apple hasn't done the right kind of troubleshooting, and they've released buggy software. And some of the things that used to be easy and reliable in some of these built-in apps just aren't anymore. And it's, it's very, very frustrating for, for users and also for me as somebody trying to help users. we
0: got more to come with Joe Kissel. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
20: Hawaii was a wake-up call. Don't be caught
8: without a disaster shelter. Atlas makes an all-disaster shelter that will protect your family from fallout, tornadoes, and hurricanes for only $99.99. That also includes the NBC air filtration system, solid steel construction with an airtight bulletproof door. That's right. For $99.99 and up, call 1-855-4BUNKER or go to IWantTHATSHELTER.com. Atlas Survival Shelters, the world leader in fallout shelters.
14: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. All
0: right. You have a new Mac there. You are rebuilding it, more or less. What kind of Mm -hmm. Mac?
16: Well, the Mac that is misbehaving is an iMac Pro. Uh, oh, you know, yes. Okay,
0: this is the $5,000 computer, or are we talking with something much more expensive?
16: Uh, well, I did not get the top-of-the-line, you know, 18-core, all the bells and whistles, uh, nor did I get the absolute entry-level iMac Pro. It's sort of in between. You know, I've, I've liked it. It has been sitting on my desk for a little over a month And it has been behaving pretty well. But this morning, a whole bunch of weird things started going wrong. And, you know, I've written a book on troubleshooting your Mac. I kind of know how to do this. I've written, obviously, you know, books on backups and and maintenance and all these kind of things. So I know what I'm doing when, when a Mac is misbehaving. But the sequence of problems that occurred is so odd. I have a suspicion that there are kind of several different issues going on that are interrelated. But again, you know, as I say, I just I don't have enough time to do the testing to properly isolate exactly what the problem is. I have to get back to work. I got stuff to do. So I don't I don't think there is a hardware problem, although that is possible. And if so, whatever, it's under warranty. So I get Apple to fix it for free. I think that what we're looking at is probably um, a combination of issues in high Sierra. And some of those not quite baked things yet in APFS. I've, I've read a number of reports of people with the iMac Pro who have enabled File Vault, which I have. Experiencing a bunch of of very odd and troubling errors. Uh, and I've even seen at least one report of of Apple telling a customer, yeah, you you probably ought to turn File Vault off right now. Of course, File Vault under APFS uses a totally different mechanism than it than it does under HFS Plus. So it no longer is, is using core storage. So it would be very easy for me to believe that there are aspects of File Vault, along with other aspects of APFS that just aren't quite there yet. Um, And so that is probably one of the contributing factors to my problems too. I was thinking also here that maybe you have a hardware issue. Well, it's possible. I don't have any particular evidence of that yet, but it certainly could be and we will you know I'm going to I'm going through the steps so we'll we'll see what happens when I restore from a backup and if that is unsuccessful we'll we'll check on some other things well i hope it's good for you did you get the apple care oh of course yes I, that is that is habitual with me i have never regretted an apple care purchase um, of course, this computer is so new that even the standard warranty would cover it. but uh, whether on you know, I know it's expensive, but even on desktop Macs, um, I have had enough cases of things going wrong um, that Apple Care has always more than paid for itself. so that is that is something that I always do. Apple Care,
0: IMac Pro, hmm. All right. Let's continue with that. So going back to High Sierra. Mm -hmm. What other problems can you report to us? I'm assuming that whatever you're seeing with your iMac Pro is specific to its installation or something. But what else do you think we should look for in High Sierra where Apple screwed up?
16: Well, you know, you mentioned some of these uh, security problems. Of course, there have been those, uh, you know, the whole root thing. And and needless to say, uh, Macs, along with every other computer in the world, have been subject to the Spectre and meltdown bugs. That's not Apple's fault. That's, you know, Intel. But still, um, those have been issues and those have been partially addressed, not entirely addressed, you know. For, for me, um, the the things that I have found most irritating are bugs in Time Machine uh, and bugs in Mail. Uh, I mentioned Mail earlier. You know, I have a book on it. I've been trying to update this book, but it's it's just been driving me crazy because what the book is supposed to do is to solve problems, and I literally can't because it's, you know, it's not, like I say, it's not you. It's Apple. Um Time Machine. Uh, the, it seems like it, it's been it's been getting buggier with every release, um, and apart from the bugs, and apart from um, not performing very well, and apart from losing features over the years, um, we have this additional element that um, you can't use Time Machine to back up. To an APFS formatted volume, so that's another one of those things about APFS. Is that Time Machine, the Time Machine's fundamental design depends on features of HS, HFS Plus or the, the Mac macOS uh, Extended uh, file system. So um, Time Machine just cannot work when the when the target volume, the one you're backing up to, is formatted as APFS. You know what I did? I formatted my backup volume as APFS. And then
0: I ran Time Machine and I checked the volume and it had been converted. Yes, right. To HFS Plus. So if you try to do it, it's not going to work. On the other hand, I have another backup drive that does clone backups. It is formatted
16: APFS and it still works fine. Yeah, clones uh, ought to be okay. Now, back in the betas before before High Sierra was officially released, I tried what you tried. I did an, I did I formatted an external drive as APFS, um, and this was before Apple added that little thing to automatically convert to uh, HFS Plus when you turn on Time Machine, and and that just screwed up that whole volume, and I had to erase it and start over from scratch. So, um, you know, there there are lots of little things. But um, those are those are some of the things that particularly uh, bug me.
0: Now, the Fusion drive doesn't work with APFS. It did during the beta. And yeah. to restore the drive, you had to go through terminal commands and everything. I'm so glad I didn't even try. It will automatically convert an SSD to APFS. Right. And that's what Joe has on his iMac Pro. But yes. here's the thing. There was a quote from Craig Federighi. In late September, when High Sierra shipped, saying that APFS support would be added for Fusion Drives in a future release. And in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, which I do too sometimes, a Fusion Drive is the combo of a regular hard drive and a smaller SSD. And by doing that, and by moving frequently used data onto your SSD for as large as it is, you get much faster performance. Right. Sometimes it's called a hybrid drive by the way. That's the PC version, but it's functionally a little bit different. But where is it right now it is February no statement from Apple at all. They are currently beta testing another maintenance release, the fourth one. You know, we had right. 13.0.1.2.3.4 0.1, is being tested now. Nothing about Fusion drives,
16: not a statement, not a whisper. It's interesting because back at WWDC last June, Apple announced all these things were going to be in new iOS and, and in High Sierra. And a lot of those things didn't appear initially, you know, like Apple Pay Cash. Only in the like most recent betas of both iOS and macOS have we started to see this iMessage in the cloud thing where, you know, all of your all of your iMessage uh, messages and messages will, will sync to the cloud. And I I'm like, okay, great, let's turn that on, try it out. But um, even when I did that, I found out that my like I'd be looking at a live conversation I'm having with somebody, and I would reply, and then the other person would reply and and that that later reply would go above the one that I just entered. So um, even this brand new feature that was supposed to appear last fall and is now rolling out in beta form still isn't quite working right. And so there were a whole bunch of things that, that Apple said they were going to do in these latest operating systems that either took a long time to appear or still haven't appeared yet, and of course your example of Fusion Drive support for APFS is one of them. And um, so all those things happened, plus you'll recall, you know, the HomePod was very late, and even though it was very late, it's also missing features that were promised. And so this, this seems to be kind of getting to be a habit where Apple announces something that everybody's really enthusiastic about, and then it doesn't ship right away, when it's supposed to and then more time passes and when it finally does ship it's not quite complete yet and then the cycle repeats so i'm not i'm not happy to see this trend well maybe this possible decision alleged decision
0: about ios 12 means they will cut back on features they plan to have the time to produce the stuff they're assured of getting out there in time because you can't have this you can't buy a new product and say okay I can't do that I have to wait for it or right. you know that would be nice be nice to be able to buy two home pods and set them up for stereo but right. you can't cuz you have to wait for this update and where's airplay 2 and what about this and what about that exactly what so- about Joe Kissel who'll be back in our next segment of the Tech Night Out live yeah. Welcome back to the Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene!
6: Yeah, it's him.
0: Joe Kissel, we're talking about Apple shipping products with missing features. Now, if I bought a new car with a missing feature that the active cruise control didn't work or the backup
16: camera didn't work, I couldn't do that. Right. Well, you know, at, at least with computers, it's easier than with cars to say, oh, well, you know, here's a software update that adds that missing thing. Now, you, you can do that to some extent with cars, but not if it's like, you know, missing your backup camera or whatever. There are some things that it is kind of a hassle to do a recall and retrofit hardware. So, it, you know, at least there's that going for us. But Apple's motto used to always be under promise and over deliver and I like that motto. That's great, because that, that really delights your customers. And the last six months or so, it's felt like over-promising and under-delivering. And that just feels very uh, very disappointing to me. Right. Well, I should tell you this. With a Tesla, Elon Musk
0: will deliver some features with software updates. That's true. That's true. So you're getting more and more self-driving features and other things... In order to unlock the software, you have to pay more money. Yes, I've heard about that. Now, that's really screwy. I mean, that there is totally, totally absurd. But Microsoft has done that, too. You know, with the Windows and the Windows Pro, you want to be Windows Pro, we run this updater that will unlock features. So I guess by the same token, maybe he learned too much from Windows, Elon Musk. I don't know. I don't pretend to know about that. I just don't like it. I understand that basically, to some degree, you're a beta tester with a Tesla. I mean, it's evidently a safe car and everything, but you shouldn't have features that aren't baked in yet, although it's not bad to say, okay, as we improve the functionality, we'll send you software updates because you don't really see that in regular cars. I mean, automobiles have lots and lots of software in there but how often do they feed out an update over the air or something that requires a dealer visit unless it's something that impacts safety
16: right well you know i uh i cannot afford a tesla and i almost cannot imagine ever being able to afford a tesla so i will have to just read about other people having these sad sad experiences of having inadequate software in their expensive cars well understand here there is a cheaper tesla the model
0: 3 But it's cheaper only if you consider a BMW Model 3 affordable because it's in the same price range. Exactly. exactly. On the other hand, what you'll probably see maybe in five years, you'll see the electric car in a more reasonable price level. But that's going to require probably making the batteries sell for a lot less improvements in battery technology. I would think that would be the magic bullet.
16: Yes, well, I will be uh, interested to see what happens there. I'm not in the market for a new car, and I don't expect I will be for uh, for some time. But perhaps when I next feel like I need to buy a new car, the electric cars will be um, both affordable and have decent range. Well,
0: I look at it this way. If we're talking about five or ten years from now for these cars to be affordable, I'm probably going to be too old. Hmm. So I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, right now I can drive okay. I don't drive at night. I don't do well at night. But Kirk McElhern doesn't do night driving either. So, And he's younger than I am. He's like mm. a kid compared to me. Almost everybody is like a kid compared to me. Anyway, enough with the cars. You know, I guess one would be interesting. Do you have anything about car play at
16: all? No, we have nothing at all about car play. And it's one of those things where you have to have an author who has a car, who has... CarPlay And an editor and a tech editor who have cars, who have that, just to even make the book, you have to have at least two or three people that have sufficient hardware. And then you have to uh, have a sufficiently large audience of people that have that. And not just people that have that, but people who like, I have this. And it's confusing to me or it's frustrating to me. And I want to buy a book on it. I don't really kind of see us doing a book on CarPlay, just like I don't see us doing a book on HomePod. There are just, there are just some things that people don't want to buy books about. Well, maybe take control of the Vizio soundbar. <laughs> but
0: well, no, I understand that I can't see anything more than a small article or two about a loudspeaker speaker, a smart speaker, write a book. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be a bit much. On the other hand, what about something like iCloud? I mean, you've done stuff on iCloud. Sure, sure. And what is there about iCloud that is complicated enough to require a book?
16: Well, you know, iCloud isn't just like this infrastructure that you turn on and it magically does stuff in the background. I mean, it it does that. If you go to the iCloud website, And you can see almost full versions of pages and numbers and keynote and mail and calendars and contacts. Well, you know, people need to know how to do stuff in all those apps. I mean, Michael Cohen wrote a very long book on pages, just pages. And Sharon Sardetto wrote a very long book on just numbers. And basically, you have all, not quite all, but, you know, very much of that functionality baked into iCloud. And so part of what people want to know about is just what can I do um, and how do I do some of the most important things that I want to do. They also want to know about, um, okay, well, something something isn't working. My my calendars aren't syncing between my Mac and my iPhone all of a sudden or something's getting duplicate contacts or whatever. Some Some aspect of iCloud is going wrong. How do I fix that? So part of it is troubleshooting. But, but also, you know, iCloud has parts that are pretty reliable um, and pretty easy to understand, just like, well, oh, I click the checkbox and I turn it on and it's great. But it also has aspects like, you know, iCloud photo library and iCloud music library. They're very, very complex and they don't necessarily behave the way people expect them to. And... You know, with with music, for example, there, there are relationships between Apple Music and iTunes and iCloud, but there's also iTunes Match, which you might have in place of Apple Music. And there, there are all these different things that some of them are actually are part of iCloud, some of them aren't, they're just sort of connected to iCloud. And even just figuring out what actually is part of iCloud and what isn't, um, can can sometimes be a challenge, um, but what we found is that uh, there are there definitely are enough people who are feeling uh, frustration and confusion with various aspects of iCloud that they're very happy to to know more about it. What things really confuse people about iCloud, or just the basic concept?
0: I should tell you in advance, I probably live a ten minute drive from iCloud because Apple has a new data center. Over here in Mesa, Arizona, I don't know if iCloud is part of it, but it's there.
16: Yeah. Uh, well, you know one of one of the questions is where where is my stuff? So, all right, I have this thing called iCloud, which I seem to be able to sign into and sign out of, and turn on and off various features. But let's say you know uh, you know I'm I'm signed in. Does that mean that all of my mail is only in the cloud or is it also on my Mac? Is it also on my iPhone? What about my, my stuff in iCloud Drive? Is it on my device or is it in the cloud or is it both? And that gets kind of confusing because you have optimized storage. So your device starts running low on space. And Apple might just decide to delete some stuff off of your device and just keep, whether it's a photo or a document or, or, or whatever, and they still have the original stored in the cloud somewhere, but you might not be able to tell easily by looking at your computer or your iPhone or whatever, whether a particular item is there or whether you're just sort of seeing an an icon, a a shadow of that image where the whole thing is really stored um, in the cloud. So even just like figuring out where my stuff is, is confusing to people. iCloud has this feature called iCloud backup. And um, that sounds really great. Oh, I can back up my iphone to icloud well yes you can that that must mean uh, that's that
0: sort of though i will say sort of back up your iphone i'll tell you why well, in a moment in. yeah we got more to come with joe Kissel. i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night how live attack
2: of the rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike it's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget With uncertain times in the United States,
3: it's only prudent to consider storing precious metals in a safe place outside of our borders. At Miles Frank Limited, we have done just that for you. Partnered with the most respected storage company in the industry, Miles Franklin Limited is proud to offer the only fully insured private safe deposit box system in North America, held in Vancouver and Toronto. Send us your previously purchased precious metals, or have one of our brokers help you purchase something new. Questions? Please call one of our experienced brokers at 866-485-4346. Solid foundational storage partnered with the most respected name in security. That's Miles Franklin Limited. Celebrating our 29th year in business without ever receiving a customer complaint. Call us at 866-485-4346 again That's 866-485-4346, Miles Franklin Limited, a name you can trust.
20: Has your body ever gone low blood sugar, feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203.
17: Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you foreclosure protection services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance that's all they do if you're behind on your mortgage payments being threatened with foreclosure have been denied a loan modification or been the victim of a predatory loan it's critical that you call foreclosure protection services now at 800-667-9035 their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
0: your iPhone to the cloud, you'll notice the backup size is nowhere near as big as what you have because it includes links to your apps that you've downloaded. So if you restore your iPhone from the cloud, or you get a new iPhone, it will have your settings and everything on there. It will have Apple's apps, but all the other apps
16: are going to download from scratch. That's right. Now, that's logical to an extent. So it makes sense that Apple wouldn't store an extra backup of something that it already has on its servers, like an app, so that's reasonable, except sometimes apps get deleted from the App Store, so we try to restore them from a backup. Your iPhone wants to download an app that you used to have, but it's not available anymore, so it can't. It wasn't backed up, and and there are situations like that where what you think you're getting is not what you really get. Another example is, okay, I've I've backed up my entire iPhone to the cloud. Oops, I accidentally uh, delete somebody's contact. Oh, that's okay. I can just restore that one contact or that one photo or that one whatever from the cloud. Right. No, you have to erase your iPhone and restore an entire backup because iCloud backup doesn't give you any granularity in what items you can restore. And then there are people who are like, oh, well, if there's this thing called iCloud backup, then I ought to be able to use that to back up my Mac too, but you can't. You used to be able to do that in the old days with iDisk, but you can't back up your Mac to iCloud. It doesn't work like that. And so that is very uh,
0: stupid. I think Apple's missing business there. You know why? Because they're selling you, what, two terabytes of storage right now? Right. Okay, that's what, it's oh, cheap.
16: I, yeah, it's, it's not expensive. I, I want to say it's like $100 a year, but I'd have to look it up.
0: Okay, so let's see what they offer me. Okay, two terabytes for nine ninety nine a month. Okay. N- now go. that's good. Yeah, that's competitive. Except what if you could back up your entire Mac? Because even if you have a 2 or 3 terabyte drive, maybe you only need a terabyte or so. And Apple can always expand that for a higher price, you know, if 2 terabytes is not enough, they'll give you 4 for $20 a month, they, I don't know.
16: They could. Although I will say two things. One is that Apple is not very generous with free storage, so they give you five gigabytes of storage for free, but that's not enough to back up even a very low-end iPhone. Basically, almost everyone who uses iCloud to back up an iOS device is forced to pay Apple for extra storage, which is kind of lame. But you think here what business Apple is missing for services. Services are
0: big. You have third-party cloud backup services. Yes, and they are all more expensive than 999 for 2 terabytes but they have uh, dedicated mm, yeah. specialty software doing incremental updates and everything else yeah. crash plan you know carbonite there
16: there is another element here though which is most people do not have unlimited data traffic to and from their ISP So my ISP is relatively generous. They give me one terabyte of data transfer per month. But I often come very, very close to hitting that limit because I am backing up multiple computers to the cloud and i'm using icloud for a whole bunch of stuff like i got all these different things plus you know like streaming netflix and 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 other kinds of, of video so i am using a lot of data and of course there are companies that would like to sell me uh, a 4k tv oh and of course a 4k apple tv to go with that which is going to massively increase the size of downloads for video content on the apple tv and i'm like well i only have a terrible like it, if i'm coming close to hitting that limit already my only option is to pay cox another 50 dollars a month for unlimited data transfer, which I will probably end up doing at some point with a great deal of regret. But the point is that not everyone can do that. Some ISPs don't give you the option of unlimited data at any price. And some ISPs have much, much lower monthly limits than mine does. So this trend of putting everything in the cloud and more cloud backups and more cloud storage and more everything has this consequence of of causing users, just ordinary people to max out their ISP's allotment, that's getting to be a, a much bigger problem these days. CenturyLink, I think, is 250 gigabytes,
0: but that's only download. So you can upload without limit, hmm. which does work with the online backup. Now, hmm. I'll give you another example of where you could use lots of data. A lot of people like us do side gigs with Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. And remember, you're running navigation software. Right, And when that navigation software is running while you're going to pick up a passenger or doing the ride, it's using up lots and lots of data. Sure. I had to buy a data plan from AT&T for six gigs to get just about enough. Fortunately, AT&T gives rollover. So if I save a little bit in one month, it carries over to the next. It's not a lot more money. I also get an AARP discount, by the way. When you're very old, Joe, you'll be able to do that too. So it Mm -hmm. compensates so much. But you have to do such things because what they've done with cell phones is the basic data plans are fairly expensive for what they give you, which is nothing. What, two gigs, four gigs? The unlimited plans are fake because once you reach a certain threshold, your performance is throttled. And you want to throttle them. Right. But I agree with you. Data is really a lot. I have a 4K TV set here from Vizio. And I have to mention that because they gave it to me to review. And therefore, if I mention it occasionally, even though I can be critical about it, they're happy to hear that. But mm-hmm. anyway, I have done a little bit of 4K. But with this set, not with the Apple TV. I, by the way, not use an Apple TV in six or eight weeks now. Hmm because it has Google Chromecast built in. Mm -hmm. So I tap a button on the remote, and there's Netflix. Boom, it switches to Netflix. And the Netflix interface is perfectly fine. It's perfectly serviceable. Another button, it's Voodoo. Another button, it's Hulu or Amazon. So suddenly, unless you're invested in Apple's ecosystem, what do you need Apple TV for? Anyway, just throwing that in. (laughs) Anyway, let's look at some other topics, because the thing about, since we're talking about Apple bugs and stuff, iCloud is a common source of loads and loads of complaints. Mm -hmm. What are the common things? Is it syncing, email? Where do they screw up most?
16: Well, you know, the the world of syncing, which encompasses so many different things, it's syncing your photos, your music, your documents, your contacts, calendars, email, Reminders, notes, all the rest. Uh, definitely a lot of things can go wrong with syncing. Th- there is a lot of uh, pain and frustration around the two step verification and the two factor authentication, which are still two different things. And they're both kind of different and kind of weird. And they're there for good reasons to increase your security. Let's break but- here. Let's break here. We got more with
0: Joe Kissel on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
5: People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered, from business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? That's 800-831-0771, 800-831-0771, or visit reputationdefender.com.
22: Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck, or back, or shoulder. Long-distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Why take another pill? Treat your aches and pains with Sunshine Pillows. Microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra-large body heating wraps. Sunshine Pillows and wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it, even while driving. Sunshine Pillows are designed with your comfort in mind, will not burn you, and will stay balanced on your body to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunshine Pillows start at just $20. Join hundreds of our happy customers and see why Sunshine Pillows has a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Click sunshine-pillows.com and take the Sunshine Pillow Challenge. That's sunshine-pillows.com.
23: Hello, my name is Marjorie Wildcraft i'm the founder of the grow network which is an online community of people who produce their own food and medicine we are really into backyard self-reliance if you want this lifestyle i suggest your first step be to learn some basic home medicine just the other day my 18 year old son came to me and said mama i got a sore throat can you fix me up and i said sure ryan and in about 24 hours he was better the best home medicine for you to start out with is garlic It's an amazing natural antibiotic, and I can show you how to use garlic to handle ear infections, sore throats, colds, and flus. As a way for you to get to know a little bit more about me and the GROW Network, I've written up an easy introduction on how to use garlic. It's at GCNWellness.com. Now, the station manager told me that I needed to say the URL at least twice, even though it feels kind of weird. But if you're interested in backyard self-reliance, you are one of us. Go to www.gcnwellness.com and let's connect up.
14: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: Two-step verification. I think that, even though to me it's fairly simple to use, I can see where people are confused what it means, and they got to have another device there. Yeah, Seeing there, yeah, like yeah. a common way to handle it is you enter your password, and that sends a passcode to your iPhone, so you mm-hmm. enter those numbers. That's two right. way. In other words, you have to have two kinds of login.
16: Yeah, you know, setting that up is not always obvious or straightforward. And there, there was the old way of doing uh, two-step verification, and then there was a new way of doing two-factor authentication. And they're really, they really are two different versions of two-step verification. They're really not two factors, because with with what Apple calls two-factor authentication, I can go to a, like I try to log into iCloud. And uh, I put in my username and password. Great. And it says, oh, you know, hang on, we got to verify you. And then on the screen that I'm looking at, like I'm just doing this on my Mac, a thing will pop up saying, hey, uh, this, this device is trying to log in in San Diego. Is that okay? So I'll click, yeah, allow. And then great. Uh, a number will pop up on the screen of that same device that I then type into the other window. So you can set it up in such a way that everything is happening on one device, so it's no longer two factors. It's two steps, yes, but it's not like what you have plus what you know. It's really just all what you have. In any case, the way that works is just is a little peculiar, and can you turn that on and off? What are the consequences if you do? What if I have an old device that isn't compatible with two-factor authentication, and I want to log into a third-party app. Well, you have to do this weird thing where you, like, you get your code, but then you also have your password, and you type your password, and then you also append your special code to the end of that password, and you type that in when it's asking for a password, which is just like, how would anybody figure that out? And there are just a lot of times when iCloud is demanding your password, it seems like Every five minutes, one or another of my Apple devices is asking for my password again. And I don't really know why. I don't know why. It's not just like, well, I'm trying to log into a website. It's just like, oh, well, it's Tuesday and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. So I think I'll ask Joe for his password again just for the hell of it. So that kind of thing is is confusing to people. And it's frustrating. And uh, very often it'll be the case that that most aspects of iCloud are working just fine, but then one little thing doesn't. And whether that one little thing is photos or whether it's you know music or whatever, the more devices you have, the greater number of variables there are. And so the the you know as you're multiplying all those possibilities, well, I got I, I got two uh, Macs and I've got an iPhone and an iPad. And I've got, you know, 10 different services syncing stuff amongst all these devices. Oh, and I move from one network to another. The complexity, the the number of things that can go wrong is really staggering. And and things often do go wrong because iCloud is trying to do a lot. And it's it's really hard stuff. And the number of
0: users is soaring out there. So while Apple is rushing to add data centers while hopefully they're trying to fix up features, it's a big moving target. Yeah. It's like they never seem to get control of it. There's always something. I would say here, it's not that Google doesn't have problems, they do. It's not that Microsoft doesn't have problems, they do. In fact, my AdSense account, which is you know banner revenue from Google, the other day it was completely messed up for mm-hmm. maybe an hour or two. Mm-hmm. So these other services do have it, except when Apple has it, It's headlines because it seems to happen more often.
16: Mm -hmm. Well, that's true. And that's part of the uh, price of popularity, I guess. That all goes back to I would really love for Apple to just kind of lay off new features for a bit and make all these things, including iCloud, uh, a lot more bulletproof and you know we could probably spend a whole hour just talking about iTunes I and mean, I would not like to do that because we'd both be sad at the end iTunes is just this monster app that tries to do a million different things and and it doesn't do them very well some of them it's terribly confusing to use uh, you know I watch people who are not who are not used to it who are not expert Mac users and they, they struggle. Even I struggle with iTunes because so much of it is unintuitive. And I would just love to see Apple really think through this whole problem and make it all make sense. Well, I'm hoping that maybe what
0: they may or may not do with iOS 12 is the beginning of going back and fixing things. Because this past few months, it's all been about bad news from Apple. Like the letter I in iOS 11, that right. silly bug. And the lapses in High Sierra, which was supposed to be the bug-free performance release, which didn't happen. Like the TikTok release, and that was yeah, not tick, not tock. But I have another word, but I don't want to use it. Right. Okay. So it didn't work out quite so well. At least the hardware seems to be reliable. And then, of course, there is the throttle gate. I don't know if you like that term, throttle gate. I think you know what I'm talking about.
16: I do know what you're talking about, yes.
0: Right. And it's interesting. I think I use it almost ahead of everybody. And then Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer is using it as well. And we're talking here about the fact that back with the 10.2.1 update, Apple made a change to iPhones. So when the battery was deteriorating, its smooth performance peaks, thus slowing performance, to prevent shutdowns when there were peak demands that the battery couldn't handle. In other words, a good thing. But Apple didn't think to add two sentences saying, with this feature that we've installed, it may slow down your maximum performance on your device. And if that happens, you should have your battery checked. Mm -hmm. You know, two or three sentences. They could have said that. Of course, they didn't. So Apple got themselves in a heap of trouble. And you kind of wonder how they managed to do something that was so darn foolish, but they did. And this shows the kind of a lack of attention to detail that has resulted in issues where I think Apple, I hope, has learned the lesson. You know, now they're going to have a way to check battery health in iOS 11.3, a way to turn off the performance throttling feature. If you don't want it, then you don't care if your device shuts down. Mm Mm-hmm. And Tim Cook was asked at the quarterly conference call with analysts, do you feel that now that you have pushing the updates, the replacement for batteries, making them so cheap for the year, people are going to say, I don't need to buy a new iPhone. I'll just keep mine working for a bit longer. And he said he didn't care. Right. I don't know if I believe that or not, but I guess he was really dragged into that, maybe kicking and screaming. Hard to say. Hard to say. Anyway, let's continue on with all this excitement that we have here. What do you think about the throttle gate thing? Is that also another example of Apple's lack of attention to key details?
16: Well, I mean, yes, I I do think that, you know, because I'm I'm a publisher, right? So um, we don't let books go out without being edited. Usually they go through... To sometimes three different edit, two two or three different editors, and multiple passes by um, one or more of them. So, um, and we do this even for experienced authors who have written many, many books because everybody, absolutely everybody makes mistakes and fails to see things that they made sense in my head, but they didn't make sense on the page. So I, I kind of feel like Apple needs to have the same sort of approach. It feels like, you know, somebody had a good idea and they made the thing, but there weren't people in incomparable roles to editors. I mean, that's not that they're making books, okay, but they are they, they need to have somebody look at their user interface, look at their help, look at their um, their marketing messages with that sort of critical eye of, is this the message that we intended to be getting across here? Um, and it's not like, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be great with the grammar and the punctuation and all that. That's not the problem. The problem is more conceptual. More to come with Joe Kissel. I'm Gene
0: Steinberger You're in the Tech Night Owl live. <laughs>
10: for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer?
6: Would it be okay if you had two paychecks instead of one? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the dead doctors don't like I and myself, want to show you how to get an extra paycheck every month, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com. Or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. Hawaii was a wake-up call. Don't be
8: caught without a disaster shelter. Atlas makes an all-disaster shelter that will protect your family from fallout, tornadoes, and hurricanes for only 99 dollars That also includes the NBC air filtration system, solid steel construction with an airtight bulletproof door. That's right, for $99.99 and up, call 1-855-4BUNKER or go to IWantTHATSHELTER.com. Atlas Survival Shelters, the world leader
20: in fallout shelters.
6: Here's a special message for those of you who owe the IRS at least $10,000 or more in back taxes. The IRS has special programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the Federal Tax Management Helpline that has been set up for you, 800-503-8625. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will stop all the collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. If you owe more than 10000 in taxes, call for free information and to see if you qualify. Take down the number now for the Federal Tax Management Hotline, 800-503-8625. That's 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. What?
14: you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg you never know what's going to happen next
0: so conceptual with regard to apple's Documentation.
16: Yeah, they need to have a a, a person, a team looking at how. Ordinary users are going to interpret what is said and what is not said, and I, I feel like uh, you're absolutely right. They've they've been doing far too little of that checking. Now, in terms of the throttle gate, I honestly feel like that's a tempest in a teapot. I think Apple was doing the right thing. Yes, the messaging was unclear, but I feel like people were getting up in arms over the fact whatever Apple said or did. The belief was the issue. The belief that Apple was maliciously, intentionally slowing down old iPhones for the express purpose of selling new iPhones, that was the way it came across. That's not true. That's not what happened. That is the perception. That would not be the conclusion that i would jump to when i see those symptoms but people on the internet are very very fast to jump to conclusions even before they have all the facts at their disposal as we know so i think that what what happened there was a, an error of People misinterpreting things, drawing conclusions without having all the facts, and getting really, really worked up over hardly anything. And yes, Apple is definitely to blame for poor messaging, but ultimately I I think that the people who decided to make a big issue out of something that fundamentally is not a big issue also bear some blame. Well, you see with Apple, there are so many conspiracy theories, so many people
0: who are happy to give you bad news about apple i mean look at the run-up over the past year about the iphone 10 even before that when the iphone 7 was coming out they said don't buy it because there'll be a better model next year Mm -hmm. and then they said oh my god the thing's gonna cost about a thousand dollars and that was a pretty good guess before the actual price of 999 came out for the entry-level model people will resist it while it was available Sales have tanked. Apple is cutting back on orders. And for every single week that the iPhone X was available, at least through the end of the year, it was the most popular smartphone on the planet. Right. Okay. I think the second most popular was the iPhone 8 Plus. And the average sale price of iPhones went up $100 as a result. Because suddenly people want the big iPhone, the big displays. And this has been a trend, you know, it's not that much bigger. I could stick it in my pocket and I got the bigger screen and all that stuff. Of course, you might have an iPhone SE and you think I'm crazy. Well, I have I have
16: an iPhone 10
0: and I'm very happy with
16: it.
6: But
0: you see what I mean? Everything about it, they were screaming and yelling and looking at the worst things about Apple. And I think that's part of the mindset where they think Apple is deliberately crippling equipment making it run slower. Whereas when you look at it, iPhones last for years unless you really, you know, destroy them, bashing them to bits. I've got a MacBook Pro from 2010, the Mm 17-inch. I threw its SSD in there and some more memory. It works fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd like to have a retina display, Mm -hmm. but, but still imagine we're talking about here close to eight years. It runs the latest operating system. So when you say... Apple wants planned obsolescence they 're doing a pretty bad job, right exactly, so you have to think about that of course i 'm not mentioning the problem you're having with your iMac pro because i don 't know you know yeah i don't know we, either well we,
16: we will we will continue with our treatment, and we will see where that goes. I won't jump to any conclusions yet because I don't have enough data, and I, I'm sad that I'm being inconvenienced, but I'm not ultimately worried because, hey, it's under warranty, and I've got backup, so it's all good. And I'll tell you something here.
0: I've never, ever had an Apple product that needed constant attention or any attention except for a PowerBook 5300 CE from the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. That PowerBook i think it was the worst one they ever produced <laughs> it had this adhesive on the bottom of the s- display bezel kept leaking out ew i'd send it to apple and they fixed fix it and i'd set it up again a couple of months later it kept oozing now maybe it was ectoplasm because i do a paranormal radio show mm. what it was these- the worst mac you ever
16: had oh goodness um, that's a good question I, I don't think I've had any that were real duds I'm looking around there there are a few a few Macs here in my office I, I've had a, a a bunch of Macs that like because I have a I have a 17 inch uh, MacBook pro 2 from older than yours that mine is from like uh, 2007. Uh, it does not run current versions of Mac OS and uh, the batteries would like, you know, bulge and like, <laughs> you know, come apart completely. Um, so I've, I had a number of, of computers that have had, um, you know, battery problems over the years. But then again, you know, it's a battery. So you, you get rid of the battery, you get a new one. Well, I've
0: um, had a couple of battery things, but I don't count them because yeah. they would just replace big deal.
16: Yeah, no. I mean, I've I've had I, I can't even I begin to count how many Macs I've had without like stop the show. Let me get up my my spreadsheet and look it up. And I've I've had you know certainly some that I liked more than others, but I don't think I've had. I really don't think I've had any that were fundamentally disappointing to me. Um, and most of my Macs I've I've kept for for quite a few years. So yeah. it's been a pretty good experience for me.
0: Now I had a Power Macintosh. I think it was the eighty one hundred. Mm -hmm. where replacing memory was a user-hostile process. Mm. Of course, you know, do it on an iMac Pro, and you'll see user-hostile. But we don't want to get into that, because I assume he equipped it in a way that he'd never have to go there and take the screen off the chassis and deal with Uh, the adhesive and all that nonsense.
16: I had one of the very original Mac minis, the kind that you need, like a putty knife to... get open i took that thing apart so many times and i replaced hard drives and i had around it all this stuff and i've taken apart imacs and i've taken book part macbook pros and so i i used to really care oh this is hard to get into or it's whatever but i've i've kind of lost that because like i've never tried to take apart an iphone but any any mac that i have wanted to get into i have successfully and safely gotten into and it's ultimately been okay
0: Well, the thing I don't like about the 17-inch MacBook Pro, you can replace the battery fairly easily, but you've got these tiny pentalobe screws. Mm -hmm. So small that it's very easy to lose a few, so I always try to get a couple of extras. Yeah. You know, it's got like 11 or 12 screws and little itty-bitty tiny things because Apple wants everything to be seamless, and so they make these things with screws that you need special screwdrivers for they are not easy to see. Fortunately, I've only done it two or three times and I definitely didn't enjoy it. Joe Kissel, can you tell our listeners where we can find more
16: of your stuff? Yeah, you can go to takecontrolbooks.com. You'll find some books that I've written, also a lot of books by other folks. On uh, not just Mac and, and iOS topics, but all kinds of other tech topics too, online privacy and passwords and, and things like that. So, we would love to have you stop by and uh, buy a few books.
0: That sounds cool for me. Yes, indeed. You can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And on the Paracast this weekend, we have a world famous author. Eric von Daniken from Switzerland. And this guy is one of the early writers of a theory about ancient astronauts. It's kind of like Stargate, you know, where they have this meme where advanced races from outer space came here in biblical times. Eric von Daniken and a fellow named David Halperin, who is a biblical scholar. Interesting show on the Paracast at paracast.com. We also have the Tech Night Owl Plus. Tech Night Owl Plus is where we give you on a subscription basis a version of the show free of the network ads and better quality audio for a low subscription price beginning at $1.49 a week. For more information go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S, technightowl.com. Joe Kissel at techcontrolbooks.com. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl live.
16: Thanks for having me.
21: is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.